0: Yo, J-Bone here, before the show, to let you know that if you live somewhere where the majority of the Formula One races coming up are going to be taking place in the morning hours, which includes the United States, Canada, and pretty much the entire rest of the Western Hemisphere, I have something that you need. It is the official mug of Formula Bone, available now on That's bolenmedia.com/shop. That's B O L E N M E D I A.com/shop. This beautiful piece of two-toned ceramic has the Formula Bone logo on it and has been specially designed by me, J Bone, to be the greatest cup of all time with which to enjoy your coffee, tea, hot milk, porridge, etc while you enjoy your Formula One mornings. So run, don't walk, to get yours now, so it will arrive in time for the early morning races coming our way soon. That link again is bolinmediacom shop, where you can also get the Formula Bone hat and shirt that I'm wearing right now. All right, folks, let's get into it. This is the Formula Bone F1 show. J-Bone! Welcome back to the Formula Bone F1 show, the Formula One podcast that is not going to be saying good day, mate, or shrimp on the barbie, or making any upside down jokes the entire podcast, except for right then when I just did. I'm Jared Borislow, but you can call me J-Bone. Thank you so much for joining me here today, and away we go. Today's main topic, previewing the 2022 Australian Grand Prix. Which will be the driver's first daytime race since the 2021 Sao Paulo Grand Prix back in November. It's a long time without daytime racing. We're going to start off this preview, as always, by discussing the circuit at which the Grand Prix will be taking place. And that, folks, is the Albert Park Circuit in Melbourne, Australia, which is an FIA grade one street circuit. I think they might say it Melbourne or Melbourne, Melbourne. Is that is that an Australian accent? That was probably terrible. Melbourne. Falstas, going to Melbourne. Uh, Albert Park, named after the British Queen Victoria's spouse, Prince Albert, is a 560-acre public park located three kilometers, or about two miles, south of downtown Melbourne, which is a city of over five million people located in the bottom right of Australia, in the Australian state of Victoria, across the Bass Strait. From the island of Tasmania, you're getting your Australian geography lesson in here today, folks. Albert Park has a rich indigenous history from before British colonization of the area in 1835. It is home to the Korobori or Ngarji tree, which is a 300-plus-year-old river red gum eucalyptus tree that's one of the oldest living things in Melbourne and has been used as an important meeting place for the indigenous Boon people. For hundreds of years. This tree does, of course, currently have some competition for oldest living thing in Melbourne right now, uh, because Helmet Marco is in town. But um, tis. The park, Albert Park, is centered around Albert Park Lake, which is quite large and takes up 120 of the park's 560 acres. The shoreline and green space surrounding said lake contain various normally public streets, that combine to form the Albert Park Circuit, which encircles the lake. The Albert Park Circuit is 5.28 kilometers, or 3.28 miles in length, and consists of 14 turns and four DRS zones. I'll get to covering that whole debacle here in a little bit. The Albert Park Circuit is not, though, the original home of the Formula One Australian Grand Prix. That would be the Adelaide Street Circuit in Adelaide, Australia, which is located in the Australian state of South Australia and is about an eight-hour drive northwest of Melbourne. The Australian Grand Prix raced for 11 straight years in Adelaide from the race's inception in 1985 through 1995 until organizers decided to move the race to Albert Park for the 1996 season and beyond. For 22 of the 24 Formula One seasons from the first Melbourne, Austri- Melbourne Australian Grand Prix in 1996 through the most recent one in 2019, this race was the season opener, first race of the season, with the outlying years being 2006 and 2010 when the race was held in Bahrain, the season opening race, not the Australian Grand Prix. That would be uh, pretty confusing if they held the Australian Grand Prix in Bahrain. Now, like I said, the Australian Grand Prix was the season opener for 22 of the 24 seasons from 1996 to 2019, minus the two that were in Bahrain. So, of course, the 2020 F1 season was also set to open in Australia as well, but was canceled hours before FP1 because, uh, well, you know why. And then I'll get flagged if I say why, which is... How uh, podcasting is nowadays, kind of weird. Can't say the word, or I'll get flagged. Aside from being the first Australian Grand Prix to take place in the 2020s, and the first Australian Grand Prix I and most other Drive to Survive F1 fans get to see live since we started following the sport, very pumped for this, this weekend's Australian Grand Prix will be exceptional in another, more important way. It will be the first one since the Albert Park Circuit was renovated last year. These renovations include track resurfacing, track and pit lane widenings, chicane removal, and more. And these renovations are said to have been much needed for a number of reasons. These reasons include the fact that the track at Albert Park had not been resurfaced since it was first laid in 1995, which is a long time for an F1 circuit to not be resurfaced, and is an even longer time when you consider the fact that that the Albert Park streets, like the streets that comprise the Albert Park circuit are just public streets for most of the year with random cars like my 2008 Nissan Sentra SL driving on them. Not mine, personally, I wish. How hard would it be to get your own car to Australia? Think about that. Think about how much it would cost to ship your car on a container ship to take it all the way there. That would be nuts. Just to drive on the circuit. Yeah, not worth it. I'm not going to be doing that. But if you have a lot of money, be my guest. So like I said, one big reason that they're doing these renovations is because the track needed resurfacing badly, and uh, they got that done. Another reason that renovations were needed at Albert Park Circuit is the fact that according to the race, by some estimates, the 2018 and 2019 Australian Grand Prix combined, so both those races combined, featured a combined 15 overtakes, folks. That is sad. That is small, and it is sad. For reference, the last race, the 2022 Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, featured 33 overtakes by itself. So less than half of that combined at the last two Australian Grand Prix, I mean, we needed these these renovations. These renovations were necessary. Very happy that they happened. A big point of emphasis, of course, given that fact I just said, with these track renovations, was improved overtaking. So uh, we'll find out soon if their plan worked because we'll see if this is a boring race like Monaco or if we're going to be getting some nice overtaking. I think we will, folks. Uh, And that is not due in small part to the addition of a fourth DRS zone, which I'll be discussing here shortly. Two turns at Albert Park that you should keep an eye out for are turns 3 and 11, two of the biggest overtaking opportunities at Albert Park. One is, you know, right past the, uh, one is on the front, one's on the back. So, you know, you got kind of one nice overtaking spot on the front, turn three, one on the back, turn 11, turn three, nicknamed Whiteford is one of the most infamous turns in Formula One as it has played host to three of the worst crashes in recent F1 history, all involving cars going airborne, flying cars here. Like it's the Jetsons. Okay. Okay. The first of these flying crashes was Martin Brundle's crash there in 1996. His car flew through the air. Then Jacques Villeneuve's crash in 2001, which tragically led to the death of Marshall Graham Beveridge, rest in peace. And then most recently Fernando Alonso's crash there in 2016. There's a crazy high definition slow mo of Fernando Alonso's crash that I highly recommend you go check out. It is nuts. You just see his car turn sideways, and you're like, oh, okay, he's, he's going to go slide across this gravel. The second his car hits the gravel there at turn three, it just starts flipping. And you see a slow-mo of him just go upside down, and you know in his brain he's like, oh, crap. In the uh, He did an interview right after the crash when he was totally fine somehow. This is before the halo, too. So it's nuts that he was totally fine. He did an interview. He was like, yeah. I had to uh, get out of the car really fast because my mom was watching, and I know that if I didn't get out of the car fast enough, she was going to freak out, and I couldn't have my mom freak out. Fernando Alonso, mama's boy. Love to see it. Must be part of El Plan. So that was turn three, which you should be on the lookout for. Turn 11 is the other turn to be on the lookout for. Turn 11 marks the end of the new double DRS zone at the back of the circuit and has been widened by 3 meters and given more positive camber to improve overtaking. Turns 6 to 11 are going to be so insanely fast and fun to watch, so get ready, folks. I think the renovations that they made at Albert Park Circuit are going to provide for some very, very entertaining racing, a lot of overtaking, a lot of speed. It's going to be a fun one, folks. This episode of the Formula Bone F1 show is brought to you in part by a sponsor that I love and I'm literally wearing on my face right now, Felix Grey glasses. The good folks at Felix Grey create effective, research-backed products to improve humans' relationships with technology. It all started five years ago when Felix Grey set out to create eyewear that would make it easier and more comfortable for humans to stare at screens. Why? Because whether you like it or not, we all live in a digital world now and that means we are forced to look at screens, screens, and more screens all day, every day. I've got like five screens staring at me right now. Both cameras, my computer, the the audio interface I record on, and it's nuts. There's so many screens. There's probably screens I can't even think about because my, my brain's tuned them out, but they're looking at me. Freaks me out. Too many screens. But luckily, there is something you can use to combat all these screens, and that is Felix Gray glasses. The thing about all these screens is that they are wreaking havoc on our eyeballs and brains and causing things like eye strain, headaches, and blurry vision. The blue light emitted from these screens is the culprit, and Felix Gray's clear blue light lenses filter 15 times more blue light than other clear lenses. Nine out of ten customers experience relief from eye strain, headaches, and or blurry vision. And Felix Grey glasses don't just do a great job protecting your eyes and brain from the evil of screens. They are also incredibly high quality and built to last. Their frames are lightweight and durable organic acetate and are hand-finished in Italy, and their lenses are double-sided, anti-reflective, scratch-resistant, and have the blue light filtration infused within the lens material itself. If you're wondering, I'm currently wearing the Kepler frame with the clear lens. Felix Grey also has sunglasses and amber blue light glasses in which I own the Nash and Hamilton frames, respectively. Felix Gray has both non-prescription and prescription glasses available for those of you who already have prescription glasses but are ready for an upgrade to Felix Gray. Check out Felix Gray's full selection at felixgrayglasses.com/fbone where you will have access to free shipping, returns and exchanges for a completely risk-free shopping experience. Try them out and if you don't like them for some reason, and I think you will, just help yourself to free shipping, returns, and exchanges. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y Glasses.com slash F B O N E. Free shipping, free returns, free exchanges. There's a link for that deal in the description of this episode. Thank you to Felix Great Glasses for supporting the Formula Bone F1 show. Continuing on, here are your storylines to follow for the 2022 Australian Grand Prix. The first storyline: how will Albert Park's new DRS setup? affect the race the FIA has been seeing some people call for DRS to be removed from Formula One after watching these DRS detection line games of chicken that Max and Leclerc are currently playing every race so of course they decided to mess with all of us by making the next race the Australian Grand Prix have uh, more DRS activation zones than ever before in a Formula One race okay folks This is the first time there's ever been four DRS activation zones in one race, and it is happening this weekend at Albert Park Circuit for the 2022 Australian Grand Prix. It must be noted, though, that although Albert Park features four DRS activation zones, it only features two DRS detection lines. Okay, think about that. The first DRS detection line is 90 meters before turn 13 and services the DRS activation zones on the main straight, and the straight between turns two and three the second drs detection line is 45 meters after turn six and services the drs activation zones that cover most of both of the two fast sections between turns eight and nine and turns 10 and 11 on the other side of the track what this means is that drivers who get drs at a detection line and then use it to pass on the first of the two DRS activation zones that that DRS detection line services will have a massive advantage as they can then use their DRS again in the second activation zone to pull further away even if they're no longer within one second of a car in front of them because that one detection line services both DRS activation zones. So you could see somebody literally get DRS, pass the car in the first one, where the other car doesn't have DRS, then go to the second one, get even further away from them with more DRS while the car they passed originally still doesn't have DRS. It's going to be wild. It's uh, it's interesting to have this twice on one circuit, right? You think maybe like once, like, okay, it's kind of just like a, a straight that's cut in half, but they have it twice. And that back section is going to be really, really, really fast. Like it's not, it's like barely two cut up sections because that, that sweeper... That kind of right to left sweeper that we're going to see, I think it's turns nine ten. It is. Uh, I think it's going to be really fast, really fast. So, folks, watch out for these uh, for the DRS in this race. It's going to be a big story all weekend long. A storyline you need to follow. We're going to see some blisteringly fast uh, qualifying times. I think, especially because of the tires that they're going to be qualifying on, which I'll get to that next. But yeah, they wanted more overtaking at the Australian Grand Prix, and I think they're going to get it. The next storyline, as I just alluded to, Pirelli chose an interesting tire compound selection for the 2022 Australian Grand Prix. Rather than selecting three consecutively numbered tire compounds like normal, Pirelli have opted to use the C2 hard, C3 medium, and C5 soft tires, this weekend, skipping over the C4 compound completely. This wider array of compounds than normal was selected due to a number of circumstances, including Albert Park Circuit's recent track renovations, which will make for faster racing. Albert Park's track re- resurfacing, which will mean lessened grip because newer tracks generally are smoother and do not have as much grip, uh, especially at the start of the weekend when you know the cars haven't even been racing on it yet. Another reason is the heavier 2022 cars that create more tire wear. And also, according to Pirelli Motorsport director Mario Isola, a relatively small performance gap between the C3 and C4 compounds during development testing helped them decide that they're just going to skip over the C4 because they're like, you know what, it's kind of close to the C3, so why don't we just go right to the C5? Very interesting, folks. This means the Australian Grand Prix will be the debut ...of the C5 soft tire this season, which will be something very interesting to watch all weekend long... ...as it remains to be seen how durable the C5 is. Soft tire, most grip, least durable. And we've already seen this year that tire wear is a big issue with teams, with these new cars. So uh, these could just be like shredded up tires. We don't know. It helps, I think, that the track is going to be smooth and not too rough, so the track itself isn't going to cause a ton of damage to the tire, which I think is part of the reason why they did this because they wanted more grip and they figured the tire might be able to last a little bit longer because the track is so smooth. But I do not know. We're going to find out. It's going to be very interesting to watch. Another interesting tire-related storyline to follow will be the new pit lane at Albert Park. The pit lane was widened and thus had its pit limiter speed increased 20 kilometers an hour or around 12 and a half miles an hour which will make for cheaper pit stops than years past as you can get through the pit lane faster. And it will also affect tire strategy in terms of timing pit stops for teams, making sure that you can come out in a nice gap, come out in some clean air. Uh, it's it's it is interesting to see that they've uh, you know widened the pit lane, made it faster to go through, because that does change up strategy a lot. If you know that you can get through a pit stop faster because you can drive faster to your box, it's going to change some things up, folks. The next storyline, Red Bull are looking to jump up to second in the Constructors' Championship here in Australia. As it stands, Ferrari are currently first in the Constructors' by a mile with 78 points, with Mercedes in second at 38 points, and Red Bull just behind them in third at 37 points. Of course, we all know Red Bull should be right up there with Ferrari, if not for their double retirement at the last second in Bahrain, which is why Red Bull will be dead set on overtaking Mercedes this weekend to take solo second in the constructors. I think the newly renovated Albert Park circuit suits Red Bull well with its many full throttle sections and fast corners. And I will be shocked if Red Bull do not make up uh, or don't make it up into the second spot in the constructors after this weekend. I also personally expect them to make up some ground on Ferrari here as well. More on that soon. My final storyline, the return of Sebastian Vettel to the grid and the return of Daniel Ricardo to Australia. I wish Vettel's return to the grid was more exciting, but alas, he'll be returning to Aston Martin, a team tied with Williams for last in the World Constructors Championship, Championship with a whopping zero points through the first two races. On the bright side for Sebastian, he uh, is still tied with his teammate even though he missed two races, so... You know, it could still end up beating Lance Stroll because he literally is tied with him right now, even though he did not race in the first two races of the season. Could be worse for Sebastian. Could be worse. Also, here's to hoping that Daniel Ricardo can channel his aussiness to finish in the points for the first time this season and secure that points finish that he, you know, he wants it. You know that obviously Daniel Ricardo wants nothing more than to win his home Grand Prix in Australia. It's not going to happen this year uh, unless some massive, massive insanity happens. So you know that in his mind, he's just thinking like, let's finish in the points. Let's get my first points finish of the year and get this ball rolling in 2022 at my home Grand Prix in Australia. You know, he's going to be having a great time back home doing a whole media tour, a whole like awesome homecoming thing. It's going to be really fun. Uh, Really got to start watching his social media now because it's going to be popping off. I can tell. So really hoping, Danny, we all want to see you do good, okay? I really do hope that Danny wins in Australia before he retires, because that Australia shoey would absolutely hit different. This episode of the Formula Bone F1 show is brought to you in part by my favorite leg garment manufacturers, Bird Dogs. Just like Felix Gray, I'm wearing Bird Dogs on my legs right now. I wear what I sell, folks. I wear bird dogs' shorts, pants, and joggers constantly. I love my joggers so much that I recently decided to always jog now instead of ever walking so that I can be a true joggers guy. I hope I don't ever get attacked by a wild animal because jogging probably won't cut it in terms of evading them. Probably would want to sprint away, you know? But I'm too committed to jogging now, so if they catch me, they catch me, and I die, and my bird dog's a happy man. Bird dogs, built-in underwear. Yes, built-in underwear feels better on my skin than the finest cashmere and silk, and is also super breathable and does not bunch up like traditional underwear does. You can get bird dogs, shorts, pants, and joggers with or without the built-in underwear, but I highly recommend getting it with because, well, if you've ever worn leg garments with built-in underwear, you know why. So comfortable. Saves laundry. Saves the planet. Head to birddogs.com and get yourself the best shorts, pants, and joggers on planet Earth. And do not forget to use my code FBONE That is F-B-O-N-E, so that they throw in a free whistle-tip football. Yes, I said whistle-tip football. If you're watching on YouTube, I have it right here. Folks, this whistle-tip football is even better than those old Nerf Vortex howlers they used to try and fail to throw over your house. You can probably throw Bird Dogs football over some mountains if you're strong enough because it is so aerodynamic, it's unbelievable. Go to birddogs.com right now. Load your cart up with the best shorts, pants, and joggers available anywhere on planet Earth. Plug in promo code FBONE, F-B-O-N-E, to get that free whistling football and live happily ever after. That is birddogs.com, promo code FBONE. There's a link for that deal in the description of this episode. Thank you to Bird Dogs for supporting the Formula Bone F1 show. Next up, it is time for me to give you my pre-race weekend prediction for the top five finishers in the 2022 Australian Grand Prix. In my most accurate, pre-race week pre-race weekend prediction maybe ever i correctly predicted the entire saudi arabian grand prix podium from p1 to p3 on my saudi arabian grand preview podcast as jeb bush would say please clap thank you thank you i did great i know let's see if i can do it all over again or perhaps do even better but probably do worse but maybe better maybe My P5 prediction is George Russell. He looked solid in Saudi Arabia, but I think his car puts him behind both Ferraris and both Red Bulls. My P4 prediction is Carlos Sainz. Until proven otherwise, I'm just always going to keep putting him right behind Leclerc. So that's what I've done here, which brings me to P3, Charles Leclerc. He's driving out of his mind right now, but I think this track is better suited to the Red Bulls than the Ferraris. So I have him behind both Red Bulls, which is why my P2 prediction is Sergio Perez. He is in great form right now in a fast car, but somebody who's in slightly better form, you could argue, because he had a win, even though I think Sergio could have won easily in Saudi Arabia, if not for that sad, sad Latifi crash. My P1 prediction is Max Verstappen. I think this circuit should suit the Red Bull car very well, and Max is going to be extra driven, no pun intended to win this race in an attempt to get ahead of Carlos Sainz for second in the World Drivers Championship. Let's see how these pre-race weekend picks turn out, folks. And finally today, I need to quickly touch on the biggest F1 news since I last podcasted. Formula One is returning to Las Vegas, folks, in the form of the 2023 Las Vegas Grand Prix. As an American, I am super excited To see Formula One cars blast down the brightly lit Las Vegas Strip at night. As that is one of the most iconic roads in the United States. And watching Formula One cars speed down it is going to make my brain and body happy. Though, I do completely understand why people who live in F1 loving countries like Germany. And F1 loving continents like Africa are upset that the United States... Got a Las Vegas F1 return before F1 returned to them. Totally get it. Totally understand why they are mad. uh, But I think F1 is just following the money. And the money is saying race more in the United States. Specifically go to Las Vegas. Where people are going to travel from around the world to go and watch that race. Speaking of that. I will say that I can only imagine how expensive this race is going to be. Uh... It's already like $1,300 plus for three-day seated tickets at the Miami Grand Prix. And that's a race that's going to be taking place in a hot parking lot. So when you factor in the fact that Las Vegas is in Las Vegas and at night, these are going to be expensive tickets, folks. And not just, you don't need to just think about the price of the ticket. You need to think about the price people are going to pay for spending three days and nights in Las Vegas while they're attending the race. Because if you've never been to Las Vegas, you spend a lot of money on food and drinks and stuff, and you lose a lot of money gambling. So there's going to be some people out there who are going to be going to the 2023 Las Vegas Grand Prix, and it's going to be the most expensive weekend of their entire life, and it won't even be close. And hopefully they have a good time. Because when you're going to be shelling out that much money, you better be getting enjoyment out of it at the very least. Regardless of all that, oh, by the way, by the way, I have a thought. Don't know how the sight lines are going to be, but I really do think it legit might be worth it to just book a hotel room with a Las Vegas strip view and then watch the race from your hotel room window. Uh, I think that will probably end up being cheaper than getting tickets and maybe even a better view. Now, I'm wondering if F1's going to like put up Like, you know, big fences and like blackout fences. So you can't look from the hotel room window. So they make more money. Seems like the kind of money grubbing thing that F1 might do. But as of right now, I'm thinking, get a good hotel room and you can just watch the race for free minus the cost of the hotel room. And then again, minus all the money, you probably lose gambling in Vegas. Regardless, though, of all that, I am going to be there covering the race for all of you. I don't know how. That's going to happen, but it's going to happen because I love all of you. It's time for some shout outs. Shout out to everyone who follows at Formula Bone on TikTok as we just hit the 115,000 follower milestone over there. Let's go. Also, shout out to everyone who subscribes to the Formula Bone YouTube as we just hit the 30,000 subscriber milestone over there. Thank you guys so much for all the support. It seriously means a lot. God, I love doing this with you guys. Shout out also, as always, to everyone in the Formula Bone Discord, which you can join via the invite link that I've placed in the description of this episode. If you want to be shouted out here in the shout out section, shoot me a DM and say why I should shout you out and I'll do it maybe. Before I get going, I'd like to run you through the links that I've placed in the description of this episode. You can join the 200 plus member Formula Bone Discord server with the invite link that I've placed in the description of this episode. You can help support the Formula Bone F1 show financially by buying Formula Bone merch at bolenmedia.com/shop that is b o l e n m e d i a.com/shop. You can support the show financially in an even greater capacity by supporting today's sponsors, shop Felix Grey Glasses risk free with free shipping, returns and exchanges at felixgreyglasses.com/fbone Shop Bird Dogs at BirdDogs.com with promo code Fbone for a free Whistle Tip football with your order of the best shorts, pants, and joggers on the planet. And again, every link I just mentioned can be found in the description of this episode. You can also follow me, Jbone, everywhere on my personal social media at Jared Borislow. That is J A R E D B O R I S L O W. And if you're now all caught up on the Formula Bone F1 show. But when I keep hearing my voice, I co-host a comedy podcast called The Ross Bolin Podcast, where we share a ton of laughs, covering a very wide variety of topics, including current events, non-F1 sports. Today, on today's episode of The Ross Bolin Podcast, we talk about the Masters, because it's Masters week. We also talk about music, food, funny news stories, and so much more. If you like The Formula Bone F1 show, I promise you will like The Ross Bolin Podcast, which you can find wherever you are listening or watching this podcast right now that is r-o-s-s-b-o-l-e-n the ross boland podcast it's time for the npr style sign off the formula bone f1 show was recorded in austin texas and brought to you by boland media it's hosted by me jared jbone boris and i also produce the show because i'm a content machine kate orris michael Hym, and i make all the podcast clips that you see on social media at formula bone Our iconic theme music and Twitch stream music is by 7 to Midnight. You can follow him on social media at the number 7, T-O, Midnight. You can follow the show on social media by following at Formula Bone everywhere. You can watch the show on YouTube by searching Formula Bone. And you can help the show gain new listeners by rating and reviewing the Formula Bone F1 show on Apple Podcasts and by rating it on Spotify. Until next time, folks, J-Bone!